like Drake's the type of guy to jump in a pool and yell Geronimo. <laughs> That's the first one. And the second one is Drake's the kind of guy to float through the air when he smells cookies. <laughs> I think he retweeted that or he like Did reposted, he? reposted the image. The oh AI my image. god. I love those. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Hand Me Down Podcast. We're your hosts. My name's Natalia. And I'm Alan. And as always, getting into a good, fun episode today. A little bit more of a studious episode, I think. Mm-hmm. I think in our first episode, Alan said that, you know, one of the things that the podcast is going to have is studious conversation. And we never had. We, <laughs> not never, but like. What episode is it? Not as studious. It's episode 10, so. <laughs> 10 in. It took us 10 episodes. To have a studious conversation. So thank you for bearing with us mm-hmm. <laughs> through the giggles. Mm-hmm. Um, but this one's going to be super fun today. And, and yeah. I guess let's go ahead and break down the episode. Yeah, so again, as always, we're going to go ahead and catch up how mm-hmm. we do it and all that stuff. And right after that, we're going to go ahead and move into Internet Corner, which I feel like we have a pretty good amount of stuff for Internet Corner. Mm-hmm. So that's exciting. And then finally, like the big chunk or the good chunk of the episode is going to be talking about how media whether it be films and tv affect the way that we see ourselves as latinos and how other people see latinos so Mm -hmm. a lot of scholarly articles that we have here and like actual research so we're not talking out of our asses yeah we're gonna do this episode jane schaefer style if you know who jane schaefer is do you know i don't how did they teach you to write um i guess like argumentative essays in in high school like was it like a a claim or like a piece of evidence and then two sentences to like back it up. Yes. That's that's called Jane Schaefer. I see. I see. I see. <laughs> so shout out to my girl, Jane. <laughs> Little Jay. Yeah. Jana. Well, <laughs> in, in high school, mm-hmm. I think I only use one piece of evidence per paragraph and then in like high school? two sentences to back it up. I only took regular English. <laughs> I don't know if they taught like different strategies. I and see. Like, I took AP. You took AP English? Yeah, junior and senior year. But I don't know. Yeah, that's what they Mm. taught us. (laughs) (laughs) No sub. Still, okay, anyways. (laughs) Enough about English. Sorry, sorry, guys. (laughs) Um, But how are you, Natalia? I am pretty good. I'm like, I got good news from my family that I'm like, I'm like, I think I could share it. Um, But if not then we'll bleep it out yeah we'll bleep it out <laughs> it's just you talking <laughs> now in the words uh-huh. uh but i mean i told you guys but uh, my sister oh, has yeah. gotten into a uh, master's program um, so shout out to her um she'll be going out of state i, I think i'm just not allowed to say what school yet until because she said for us to not say anything until she posts. She hasn't yet. So in case... She has a week. I don't know. She has a week. I'm going to text her and be like, girl, you have a week. <laughs> um, but in case she hasn't posted by the time this episode comes out, then I'll just say, my sister had a... Uh, advancement in her education that we got to celebrate <laughs> this Perfect. weekend. Um, well, I guess I can bleep this out too if she hasn't, if she doesn't post yet, but Utah. Yeah. <laughs> But like a school in Utah or is it yeah, like yeah, actually yeah. the school's called Utah? Uh, I think it's, yeah, it's a university oh. of Utah. Well, anyways, <laughs> uh, that's crazy. Yeah. I want to hear what that experience is like going to like a Utah school or just living in Utah, right? Because yeah. it's like a lot of Mormons, right? Yeah, no, because um, she went to go interview there. I feel like I've been oh, like, shit. yeah, I feel like I've been part of her process. Um, every time I go home, you helped her get there. She it's was like, you. <laughs> <laughs> we got into Utah together. <laughs> oh my god, that's so offensive. I'm sorry, but um, she worked hard. She deserved no, it. No, yeah, so. she worked her ass off, uh, and I'm so proud of her. Um, but I feel like every time I went home for the past year, which was like not often, maybe every few months, she was always working on something to help the application process. Wow. Like always for like wow. the past year, um, and so last I had heard was she 
and my sister went to utah like they flew out to utah for an interview and then um yeah and then like about two weeks later i get a text from her and she like just sends me the admission letter i was like you're in girl (laughs) how exciting um and then so she wanted to surprise my parents and like let them know and so she gave them like a letter but like the letter of acceptance and like my other sister was filming it and like she sent that video and i watched it and i cried <laughs> and <laughs> i took pictures of myself crying so i could send to the family <laughs> group chat i was like dude me after that video and i was just like <laughs> crying um and it's just it's just so funny because it's like um you know like siblings or i mean specifically like me and my sisters like we weren't very tender with each other mm-hmm. growing up so mm-hmm. it's like when things like this happen like i don't know how to react like i'm just like yeah buddy or like, I don't know what <laughs> way to go champ way, way to go, go sport champ. just give her a nug <laughs> <laughs> just like, put her in a headlock and just like, <laughs> 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 oh my god that would be so funny if i was a well, it's cause do that when you go back when home. When I go back home, hey, champ, <laughs> just like mess up her hair. Uh, but it's like, yeah, because I'm just like, oh my God, ee! Like, that's literally just how the reaction Aww. is. Uh, but no, like, I'm very proud of her. She's a super hard worker, and I'm super excited to see what she does in the medical field. That's so exciting. If you ever go visit her, I want to go to Utah. Just yeah, saying. just to. I, I want to, ex- like, I don't know. I feel like people are so different there. Alan wants to see a Mormon. I do <laughs> in person. <laughs> He's going to be like. <laughs> because they have like, picture. like all what I know about Utah and Mormons is through TikTok. <laughs> I also know that they have like a whole bunch of like weird um, loopholes for having sex or just like, <laughs> you know. And I only know that because of the information <laughs> you told. I was watching this other podcast and there's a girl who she was a Mormon. Mm-hmm. Or she grew up Mormon and she said that she used to give um, hand jobs with a condom on because it wouldn't count if she wasn't touching the, the, the thing. She's crazy. <laughs> and she just, no one forced her to say that. And she just <laughs> said it. She was trying to let all the other girls know. <laughs> I, saw, I saw all the people in the comments were like, girl, I would have taken that to the grave. I would have not told anyone. <laughs> those tweets that are like, uh, that should have stayed in the draft. <laughs> oh my god but like another thing is like their fascination with like like soda soda pop mormons yeah or just like yeah because like they don't really drink right so like they go like to soda there's like stores that have like soda pop shops and they put like coffee creamer in it oh they like mix it it's weird dang well that kind of like is bleeding us into internet corner because (laughs) (laughs) but anyways but you didn't check in how are you you're right i'm good um you were very heartfelt with your with your thing <laughs> mine was very stupid um i found out Bessel bluma's real name today <laughs> his real name is hassan hassan yeah oh shit and i was like what um because i was watching on tiktok um I think he has a girlfriend mm-hmm. and they went to the Latin Grammys together mm-hmm. and she was just like, they were like, is it official? And she's like, well, I think it is, blah, blah, blah. And then she's like, Hassan. And I'm like, why'd you say Hassan? <gasps> and then I looked at the comments and I was like, that's this fool's name. She name dropped. If all the Theos who like Peso Pluma knew that, mm. I don't think we'd be fans. Really? <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Mexicans are very Islamophobic Jesus and homophobic <laughs> and every other phobic. Yeah. <laughs> Xenophobic. Everything else. <laughs> everything under the sun. <laughs> I'm just sitting here like. <laughs> Listing them. That's the whole episode. Fuck, dude. <laughs> but anyways, that's what I found out today. And I was like, oh, that's, that's, that's lit. I love finding out <clears throat> celebrities who as, well, Special Pluma is not a good example, but like um, celebrities that have stage names that sound like they could be names, like Drake, and then like figuring out Aubrey. that's not their name, or like Bruno Mars is Peter Hernandez. Yeah. I was like, damn. Did you think Bruno was his actual name? Mm, well, actually, mm, that's not I've, the weird part. Mars. You know what? I think you're right. <laughs> yeah, well, like not to make you feel dumb. <laughs> no, no, I mean, no, no, I, no. I thought it. I thought that Mars was an actual Bruno last name. Mars. Oh, I don't because I don't think I understood the concept of stage names mm-hmm. when I was younger. Me neither. So I, I think, was just yeah. like, his name is Bruno, like birth and his government name. Bruno Zendaya's name is actually Zendaya, right? Yeah, okay. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, she made that up. <laughs> <laughs> it's Diazen. It's like the opposite. <laughs> but I'm going <laughs> to. 
<laughs> I started thinking of Aubrey Drake Graham, right? That's his name. I think so. His name is Aubrey. You didn't know her name was Aubrey? Mm-hmm. His name is Aubrey. Aubrey. <laughs> That's a girl's name. <laughs> yeah, I don't think Drake would have blown up as much if that was if he went under Aubrey. I agree. <laughs> Especially in a genre like rap where you have to be like tough guy. Drake persona. is a tough guy. <laughs> well, I think I think he plays up that character in a lot of his songs. Like if you hear a Drake song, sometimes you're like, the tough Damn. Guy character? yeah, like uh-huh. he raps like a tough guy or he talks about stuff that like a tough guy. But then you fucking see him on in the real world. <laughs> he like has the Ariana Grande <laughs> sleeves and he's like, the heart and <laughs> okay, well, I guess this will bleed us into the internet corner, which is something that I didn't have planned, uh-huh. but I saw a TikTok. Um, and he was playing basketball, I guess, like in his own house because he's a star and he has like, Drake? yeah, Drake. Uh-huh. And he referenced, he was like, he was like, yowza or whatever. And then he was like, Drake's the type of guy to say yowza. So he's aware he's of aware the <laughs> Oh my God. And I think it's the funniest thing ever that he just like <laughs> loves it. And like, he's like. <laughs> the way he feeds into it. Oh my God. He said yowza. I don't know if it was yowza. I don't oh remember God, what it well. was, but it was like one of those like <laughs> phrases that cartoon. <laughs> Do you have a favorite one of those like <sighs> memes? It's it's the running. It's a <laughs> <laughs> I'll try to put the Scooby sound effect. Scooby <laughs> my favorite is I have two favorites and they like live in my mind rent free. It's the one where they're like Drake's the type of guy to jump in a pool and yell Geronimo. <laughs> <laughs> That's the first one. And the second one is Drake's the kind of guy to float through the air when he smells cookies. <laughs> <laughs> I think he retweeted that or he like Did reposted, he? reposted the image, the oh AI image. Oh my God. <laughs> I love those. <laughs> those two are my top two. <laughs> I don't think I would be offended. I think I would be like him and and, and lean into it. I like, like that he's leaning into it because yeah. people have, people, me, have a great time <laughs> looking at that. <laughs> like, like I know I do like some of Drake's songs, but I think it's just like nostalgia that I do like some of his songs, but yeah. I... And people say that, like, no, you just, like, you're trying to find an excuse to like Drake. But, like, I like the way he leans into stuff. Like, he doesn't care. He's just like, yeah, I'm a, He's like, I'm a do. I'm a do me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a do me. Aubrey Drake. <laughs> but anyways, I guess moving on to actual internet corner. <laughs> what I actually had planned. Um, I'm on the side of TikTok. Or sometimes I just get, like, random TikToks. And it's kind of like the behind the scenes of a movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, like... It, I know it's those like DVD extra bonus features or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, just like the the way that it's edited or kind of the style is a very distinct style. Mm-hmm. And I was watching one about the Grinch <gasps> or about the Ken and the Hat too. The Grinch. Um, and talking about it. And I was like, <sighs> streaming services have to like also buy that when they buy a movie to show by the bonus content oh you're right like wouldn't that be so cool like uh-huh. if we watch the cat in the hat i mean especially for us yeah we're like into <laughs> how they make stuff but like wouldn't it be cool if like okay we put in the cat in the hat and then like we finish watching it or whatever and then we go like to watch the bonus features yeah. like people worked hard on that too like it wasn't just like stuff to like fill in the dvd like yeah. i think they should i think they have the space to do it and they're charging these prices not allowing password sharing give us those Con- give us that bonus content too if you're yeah, gonna do that shit. so i love the bonus content i used to like when like dvds were bigger mm-hmm. um would pay extra for the bonus content of like movies because mm-hmm. i was just like i want to see how it's made um but you know what i would never watch the like um deleted scenes i'm sorry i was like it got cut for a reason <laughs> um, i don't think i would watch the deleted scenes either but I was a fan of how they made it and just like people talking about their creations. Yeah. Like, or like commentary. I don't think I've ever seen a commentary, but I've seen bits and pieces of commentary. Mm. I think that's also valuable as like filmmakers. Yeah. I just love hearing stories about the way art's made. So mm-hmm. yeah, that, that's my, that's my first internet corner thing. I love bonus features. They should. I know some streaming services do have them, but they should do it for all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually have something for Internet Corner <laughs> today. You don't? <laughs> I said I actually do. Oh, okay, okay. I was like, girl, <laughs> <You're> like, <laughs> who, <links> here. <laughs> who wrote that? <laughs> um, have you heard of Uncanny Valley? 
I know about the concept. I don't know if it's the same thing. Just like where something kind of looks human, but it's not. there's something off that yeah. makes it feel very creepy. Yeah. It makes it unsettling. Yeah. So I honestly didn't know what that was before last week. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. And because um, I was on the set last week and they were talking about it and I was like, what is that, guys? And so they showed it to me. <laughs> <laughs> it was kind of giving like you know like in elementary school where like people are talking about uh what was like a popular video like shrek is love shrek is life uh-huh. and they're just like oh what is that they're like let me show you mm-hmm. <laughs> like so they showed me and i was just like it was so unsettling and i weirdly just like couldn't look away like you liked it I, I, it wasn't that i i was just like natalia so likes uncanny valleys <laughs> 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 I thought it was a little fucking weird this game. <laughs> Natalia and Uncanny Valley <laughs> sitting in a tree. <laughs> guys, guys, stop it. I don't even like them like that. <laughs> if you like it so much, why don't you marry it? <laughs> Just bully me. <laughs> I, you know what? I will marry Uncanny <laughs> Valley demons. <laughs> <laughs> but go on i'm actually kind of excited to, to watch this. okay so it was just, uh, there's a trend right now going on on tiktok so that's oh, why they like oh. brought it up and it's like specifically it's not like um uncanny valley like stuff like people bringing in things that are creepy but it's a makeup trend so it's like people oh. are doing their makeup to make themselves look less human and they're like put like a filter on on the camera and do a specific lighting where they just look really creepy and i love it first of all because a song that they use for the trend is a banger so i'm always just like Mm. (laughs) it comes up and then it's just like i love seeing watching people do their makeup to like transform their face um so it's just been like so entertaining watching people do that and it's just like the ones that i showed the ones that i'm gonna show you aren't the makeup trends but they're just like uncanny valley two that i found because there's like a i feel like there's like a like this what's that called like a spectrum of how creepy it is uh-huh. and it's like some of them are like creepy and settling some of them are creepy to the point where you laugh mm-hmm. so i think like the first both, one both of these links go together this one is one video and this one's another okay video. but like they're the same topic yeah yeah, yeah okay got it got it yeah 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 um so does um, it have copyright music it's a t- it's from TikTok. <laughs> I know I should have given you a warning. <laughs> he said, <"Ooh." laughs> "He's scared, guys." <clears throat> okay, I'm ready. Okay. Should I listen to this? I mean, you can just so you can hear the music because I think it's a banger. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I've heard this song. I like this one. It's so cool. The plane. That is scary. It's like unsettling. Is, is that is that the, the, the unsettling that one? That was the unsettling one. And then the one under it, it's like the same type of unsettling, but I think the movements are a lot more comedic. So I was just hella laughing when I was watching it. <laughs> like that's so funny, bro. That's like Chad and Pat right there. <laughs> <laughs> It's a running. <laughs> it's a running. Uh, <laughs> that's makeup? Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. People do their makeup and it's like, it's like they accentuate this part of their face under their eyes. They put like, um, they make just the center of their waterline dark and like a, on the top lid and on the bottom lid, they color in their nostrils so that it looks like um mm-hmm. like kind of just like holes instead of a nose i see and they make themselves really pale <sighs> i don't want to be fucked up <clears throat> should i say this should we I, flip I a think, coin i think i know what you're gonna say. that they look like michael jackson because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's been there's been the, they used the trends and they turned it to michael jackson yeah um, easy but yeah. but that's literally like i went down a rabbit hole of like watching all these people do their makeup and like change and turn into like uncanny creepy things um, but I was just saying, I was just like, I would love to make a short film with like that kind of makeup. Cause it's so simple. Mm. It's like, it's not really special effects makeup. Let's it's just it. like makeup. Fuck it. It's just like makeup to change your appearance slightly. Yeah. And I'm just like, mm. that would be like a very interesting, like short film concept yeah. and very eerie and like, I agree. 
So I thought you were going to show me like, like a cult, like a, like a slideshow of like different oh, ones. Oh, I should have. No, but like, like some that exist. Yeah. Like in nature or like, you yeah. get me like, yeah. like some the, the like dolls and stuff. Like when you Google it, like that's mm-hmm, what comes mm-hmm. up. But this was the, yeah, the second yeah. one was once they started running, it was over. <laughs> Um, <laughs> no, people are getting really creative with it. Yeah. Um, Damn. Yeah. And there's some really creepy ones on TikTok. Like, I like watching <laughs> creepy things, but sometimes I can't look directly at it. So I'll like look at it through my peripheral vision. <laughs> and You're I'm like, just like, I'm like, wow, double tap. <laughs> like, keep going. But that was my internet corner. Wow. I, I, I've heard that song, but I, I haven't seen this trend. So thank you. Mm-hmm. I, now it's going to, I'm going to be scrolling today. At like 12 a.m. on TikTok and it's going to come up and I'll be like, fuck. Skip it. Shit. I feel like even I wouldn't watch it. Enough. <laughs> I was watching it in the day. Oh, okay. <laughs> Another one of my like internet corner things is the AI Bad Bunny. And I, <laughs> I, I always, guys, I'm sorry. I always bring up Bad Bunny, but. <laughs> you, okay. What do you know about this? Do you know anything about AI Bad Bunny? Did you send me one? Yes. Which which Sepin. one? <laughs> I was like, I kind of know about this, but like barely. <clears throat> but it's a, it's a timeline. <laughs> oh shit! Okay. So there's lore. Maybe a week or two ago, but and by the time this goes out, maybe like three weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um, there is an account, and I'm not 100 percent sure what the account is called, but like it makes AI songs mm-hmm. of artists, mm-hmm. and it made one of. It, I believe it was um, Bad Bunny, Justin Bieber, and someone else. But like, just the Bad Bunny part was trending on TikTok because um, it sounded like a Bad Bunny song. Like his voice, like the lyrics are also AI generated. It wasn't like a cover. It was just like a no. Like oh, the AI like uh, got all the songs that Bad Bunny has made and kind of was like, okay, I'm gonna make a song in the style of Bad Bunny um, and have the AI voice sing it. Um, and it was really good. I really like it. <laughs> I do. Um, but Bad Bunny obviously saw that it was trending. And he, on his little WhatsApp group, he's all like, he's like, fuck that song. If you guys like that song, you guys are not my real fans. Like, blah, 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 blah. Ugh. Just like being, throwing a tantrum. Mm-hmm. Throwing throwing a tantrum. Um, so then people saw that and they kind of just started like really clowning it. Oh. So they started making like... Um, stupid 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 songs okay i didn't have links but i probably should because i didn't know you you didn't know about it <laughs> so um good. this is the video top four canciones de bad bunny con mm. ai you know what this is funny for people like you and i who tend to listen to music not for the lyrics but for the beat Uh and i feel like we would just like hear that and be like (laughs) and then like not not really pay attention but i feel like i can i like when i heard i first heard it i was like bro he's talking about shitting and pissing (laughs) and farting he's talking about pee pee caca (laughs) but this is the other one So people are just clowning his tantrum, essentially. <laughs> this is my favorite one. And <laughs> the beat does not go <laughs> Is that actual videos of him dancing? Yeah, but like sped up. Oh, I see, yeah. I see. I was just like, damn, all right, he's got the moves. <laughs> but yeah, just like that, like they were... <laughs> What's the context of this? <laughs> Why is he dressed like a son? That's for his music video, the Neverita one. Oh, but they like speed it up. And if you speed it up, he looks like a, <laughs> the boobas. Yeah. You know what the boobas are? Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Booba. <laughs> but yeah, I was like losing my mind. And then of course there's a Sepin one. Um, <laughs> that one was really good. <laughs> but it's, I don't know. It's, it's my favorite. My favorite one is a Perro Salchicha one. Um, but I think TikTok heard that and literally every other video was that. So now I'm annoyed. Ah, that's, that's just me. It's like a trend. Yeah. 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 I see. Um, but yeah, I think that that's maybe all I have for, for internet corner. We consume a lot of media. Actually, I think another thing after these like joke ones came out, I think he like deleted a lot of his videos or he even like, like kind of just like shut down on, on social media, like literally through a tantrum. 
We got him. <laughs> <laughs> Which, like, I get yeah. the first one. Mm-hmm. Like, being mad that people are enjoying a song that an AI made. Yeah. I guess, like, to him it reflects, like, my music is, like, generic or, like, you get me? Yeah. That you guys like that compared to my song. I I sort of get that. Yeah. Still don't, don't throw a tantrum, but I get that. Yeah. These joke ones, like, I would have been hella laughing, like... <laughs> I would have found it funny, but I would have been I like, don't know. Damn. That's so funny. But anyways, I guess moving on to Oh shit, now we gotta get serious. Yeah. No, we gotta <laughs> <laughs> Milena and I watched <laughs> Madagascar the other day. We're gonna do the Alex the Lion though. <laughs> After talking about what we talked about that <laughs> bunny AI, Uncanny Valley, Michael Jackson. Giving my sister a <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> Time to get serious. <laughs> but okay for real um so <laughs> he's like oh you gotta get glasses so you look smart <laughs> whoops Already you want to tell that story <laughs> <laughs> when alan and i were first like coming up with the podcast like before we had even filmed anything or like named the podcast really yeah brainstorming uh, just yeah brainstorming ideas about the topics and we we're trying to come up with segments and uh, we knew that we wanted the podcast to go kind of like a studious route in a way. Mm-hmm. So he had suggested a segment. I forget what you studious as fools. It was just like studious as fools. And then like so we had like a Google Doc, and he was just <laughs> like, "Oh, we had, like this idea studious as fools." And he was just like, "And we can even wear like glasses to make us look smart." And I was dead ass like. <laughs> It's kind of like that one thing where like you can't remember whether a certain person has this or that. <laughs> it's just part of my face, I think, at this point. Like there's an episode of The Office or like a cold, op- cold open in The Office where they're trying to decide whether or not one of the characters has a mustache or not. <laughs> and like every time I watch it, I don't remember if they actually have a mustache or not. Really? And I'm just like, fuck, do they? <laughs> and then they reveal it and I'm like, oh, okay. Okay. Well, that's so funny because you were the reason why I went to go get my eyes checked to get glasses. Do you remember? <laughs> Alan saved my well, vision. I, maybe that's why. Oh, because you knew me before glasses. Yeah, I knew. Uh, I knew her before. I guess whoa. you don't know Natalia like I do. <laughs> I knew her bare face <laughs> before she became four eyes. <laughs> but no, because. <laughs> Well, should we go into that, Lord? Okay, yeah. <laughs> really quick, guys. Really quick. Um, <laughs> in our junior year of college, Alan and I were living together, and I didn't. I wasn't aware that I needed glasses. I think the pandemic, like all the screen time, really screwed up my eyes, and so I wasn't. I was just like, oh, this is just how I see things, la di da di da. And I didn't know that that wasn't normal. <laughs> I didn't know because uh, I was sitting in the front of all of my classes. I was like, I'm just a good student. I just couldn't <laughs> fucking see. Um, and I, like Alan would be having, we'd be having dinner like across the table and he'd like laugh at something. He'd show me a meme and I'd be like, wait, like, let me see your phone. Pass me your phone. Like, I can't see it. And he'd be like, you can't see that? <laughs> I'd be like, no, but like, if you pass me your phone, I could see it. <laughs> he was like, that's not normal dude I was oh, like, just like small things i'd be like you'd be like you can't see that and i was like you can <laughs> I was like, what the hell um, and it wasn't like tiny things that were like obviously like some people can and can i was like no you, you probably should be able so to you this. probably should be <laughs> the size of this font you probably should be able to see that and so i went to the doctors like for over winter break and the, the optometrist and we were doing the little wall reading test and he's like okay read that first line it was like the second line that was biggest and i was like z and he was like okay we're done (laughs) and then i got my glasses (laughs) glasses girl now glasses girl what can i say (laughs) well we're gonna have to put on these glasses because we have a very studious part of the of the episode which I find fascinating. Um, so it's just how the media, whether it be film and TV, affects the way that we see ourselves as Latinos or the way that um, other people perceive Latinos. Um, I took a class on entertainment and politics my last quarter at UCLA. Um, so this past spring. Um, and it was very interesting, just like everything that you kind of know 
but to be able to have terms and names mm-hmm. to like put this stuff into and like actually know that it's studied and that it actually does have an effect on our perception of ourselves um, is really interesting. Yeah. And just like we talk about representation all the time and why it's important and the way that it affects us. But again, to be able to have like actual studies behind it, mm-hmm. I think makes it a lot more relevant. And like we're not just really talking about our experiences or anything. It's like yeah. an actual issue. Yeah. I think there was a lot more studies than I had thought or not a lot more studies, but the studies started a lot earlier than I would have thought. Like a lot of research that you find is like some of them are from like as early as like the eighties or like nineties and a lot, a lot uh, during the early two thousands. And also, I mean, like we talk about this a little bit, but it's just like accessibility to Hmm. scholarly, scholarly articles like this. Like, you know, I was like when I was trying to come up with research with this, like I, I didn't have access to JSTOR, like I didn't have access to <laughs> Google Scholars and it's like And it's like not even accessibility in terms of like actually getting the articles, but being able to read them. Yeah. Like the words that they use and the jargon that they use and mm-hmm. like I I spent a lot of time breaking or I spent a lot of time in college. Uh, a lot of the professors spend time like teaching us how to read an article yeah, and like what to look for and how it's organized. And it just makes everything easier to read mm. and less daunting Yeah, compared to like, if you're just fresh and yeah, you're and like you're looking at this stuff. Curious. So. Yeah. But yeah, so that's, mm-hmm. that was my spiel on, <laughs> on research. <laughs> yeah. We can go ahead and start. Yeah. Um, let me see. So oh, I thought this was the agenda. I was no, like, the agenda these are <laughs> <laughs> my notes. Um, so I guess one of the first things that I kind of want to talk about is a, a, a topic or a term called agenda setting, which is very popular in political science and in journalism. So agenda setting is um, we can't tell people what to think about things but we can tell them what to think about if that makes sense like i can't make you think that drinking this glass of water is good for you but i can make you think about water a lot i see like through and it's a lot in journalism so like the editors of that paper there's only so much space on that paper. So they get to to put what you see on that paper. Mm-hmm. And that's also very relevant in Hollywood and yeah. in entertainment. Like these gatekeepers have a very strong power of being able to decide what you get to see mm-hmm. in the media. So yeah. I think that's a very strong foundational thing of like agenda setting is like, okay. Um, and, you know, the way that the agenda is set for people of color (laughs) um there's been a lot of strides recently but um before then like it wasn't really considered and and we weren't thinking about it because we didn't see it yeah do you know like when this term kind of like came to be or like i know it's an old term old term it's like very it's like foundational to the study of political science and like kind of communication Mm. theories and stuff like that so yeah it's like one of the like the journalistic principles too so it's very foundational yeah and so that's why you always hear like the um the concept of like the door like getting your foot in the door and stuff Mm -hmm. like that it's Mm -hmm. just like what's on the other side of the door the big fools which are like the (laughs) yeah um the people that dominate the industry which Mm -hmm. are white people and i feel like the more it happens or the more that Latinos see each other, see themselves in media, the more other people strive. And and we've talked about this before, like trying to be that person who makes it in the media yeah. so that other people aren't afraid yeah. to join the media or aren't afraid to go for being, creating content or creating TV shows and films. Yeah. Um. But yes, I don't know if there's... So like good, you, would you say like good represent, quote unquote, good representation is like a matter of us being in control of setting the agenda? Yeah, definitely. Because I think the reason why we didn't see ourselves was because there wasn't a lot of people in the room, in the decision making room that looked like us, mm-hmm. that had our experiences, that didn't think our stories were, were valuable of being yeah. told. 
Yeah. Um, so as that becomes more and more relevant, you know, we're able to start setting that agenda of being like, okay, well, this is what we want to see. Yeah. And that's why I, I love the job, the cultural consultant or like, <laughs> or like that, that that's like a really important position to have as being like a cultural consultant. Cause sometimes it's like not even like, it's mostly known for like, um, different, like writing about like different races and stuff like that mm. and make sure that you're doing it with respect. Um, but a lot of times it's like for different types of culture, like LGBTQ and, and stuff like that. And like, I know, um, a lot of, or not a lot. I've, I have one friend, <laughs> <laughs> one of my friends who's working on her UCLA thesis right now, um, has a story about, uh, it's an LGBTQ story and, um, you know, she has been asking me for a lot of help um, because the other department heads in her group are straight male. And so she's just kind of like, I have a straight male in this position. I have a straight male in this position, a straight male in this position. And she's like, but it's really important for me to capture like the authenticity of being LGBTQ. Mm -hmm. um, so like we had like a three hour conversation about her script and um, she wants me to look over the cinematography and stuff and like make sure that we like capture the the queer gaze because it's like that's not really something you can explain to somebody yeah. who hasn't like lived through it. Mm -hmm. um, so like I, I was like I was honored. I was like, oh, you thought of me <laughs> to help. And, and that's so interesting because like there's stuff that has been historically always like there's a kind of like a set formula of how you show anxiety or you show this or you show that. Mm -hmm. But like trying to create the queer gaze yeah. from kind of like scratch. Because yeah. there isn't like a blueprint of how to do that. Uh -huh. Like visually uh -huh. in the camera or with effects or whatever. Like yeah. I, I think it's very interesting that you are like at the forefront of that. Yeah. Because it like especially with cinematography too. Being able to capture something like the queer gaze is like like it's you really have to understand mm. like what what it is and a lot of the times it's just like living through it like there's really no other way like um people could try and it'll probably still look amazing um but there's still just like a little bit of lack or like when people who are queer are shooting these stories like it comes out like Oh, like just like the the little moments of like gazing and like mm -hmm, the mm -hmm. way that people are viewed and stuff it just like you see it in the work yeah. um it becomes very prominent um i feel like i mean like with generation but i feel like we should do a whole episode on generation yeah i remember when you pointed that out to me and i was like down mm -hmm. like it just hit mm -hmm. a lot harder but yes you're right let me write that down and yeah <laughs> we'll do a whole fucking episode <laughs> okay um but yeah uh another thing is kind of um I, I guess it goes hand in hand with agenda setting which is the issue of salience um there is an article by holbrook R A that was in 2005 where he studied um the effects of the, the effects that tv has on people specifically like watching crime dramas mm -hmm. so the people who watch crime dramas were more likely to believe that the world was very dangerous mm -hmm. and that the world was a mean place yeah um that danger was like around the corner all the time because of all the stuff they were watching yeah compared to the people who didn't watch crime dramas and were watching something else um they were more likely to see the world as it is yeah you know especially and this is also just like um in the news we always see like this is going on this is going on, yeah this is going, yeah. on, this is going on and uh, a lot of bad things so you think that the world is going to be a dangerous place because that's what's salient in your mind like that's what's what's first in your mind when you think of of crime you're like well there's a lot because the way i see it in in on tv yeah. um, which i guess what would be like a latino version of of that kind of example that, that you could think of maybe can you define salience um yes <laughs> no, you're good. i was like <laughs> um, yeah prominence i guess it's just like in the front of your brain or like you get me it's like that internalized idea of like a shortcut to understand what something is 
it's like what comes what is the first thing that comes to your mind when you think of this this being like an ambiguous huh? oh yeah so it's like when you think of um when you're thinking of i think that the example here is like when you're thinking of politics crime is going to be at the top of your mind because you're always seeing crime on tv and you think it's ac- it's an actual issue mm-hmm or you think it's 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 stronger than it actually is. The agenda setting. Yeah. Period. <laughs> Me when I make a connection. But anyway, to go back to your question, um, you said f- in in like the context of like Latinos portrayed in media. Yes. I feel like maybe like language. I think of like Latinos struggling mm-hmm. to speak uh, in English, or like you know how. I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but like if you're ever speaking English and somebody tells you, oh, you speak very good English. Mm-hmm. And you're like, well, I was born here. <laughs> <laughs> like, why wouldn't I? I see. Um, that's that, what comes to mind for me. That is interesting. I'm thinking in, in terms of like politics, um, when thinking of like political issues that affect Latinos, I think one of the things because of the media that that was that is like whenever you think of Latino film and TV, a lot of it is immigration. Um, so when people think of Latino issues and politics of like stuff that we need to address in the Latino community, immigration is a big one, although it it very much is, Mm -hmm. but I think it overshadows what happens after immigration. Yeah. I mean, like what happens after you're here? Yeah. Uh, whether it be to your children, to yourself, Mm -hmm. like those stories aren't explored. Yeah. So that, that's, that's kind of what I was thinking. Yeah. And that makes sense too, because it's like that idea of like, people who don't really know about the immigration experience specifically like the different generations that do continue to live here after um, the immigration has happened um that's where you get those comments of like oh you speak good english because it's just because they don't understand like what happens what happens after (laughs) it's like well i speak good english like that's Mm -hmm. what happens like um but yeah um so is this like only in the context of politics a lot of it is. I see. Um, which is uh, politics, but like also kind of politics is like like hard politics, but then there's also like the cultural aspect of politics, which we will get to right now. Yeah. <laughs> with cultivation theory. Um, so cultivation theory basically says that we learn about society from TV or films, especially those who are information poor. Mm-hmm. So it just means like people who don't really aren't really tapped into the news or don't have time to actually explore the world themselves, yeah. explore their area, explore their city, explore whatever they learn from watching TV, from mm. films, they learn social norms, they learn gender roles, they mm. learn all of this. And it comes from cultivation theory and cultivation theory really happens over a long period of time. It isn't just like one show is going to affect the way that you see things, but constantly seeing it over and over is going to affect the way that you see things. Um, it's a theory proposed by George Gerber. <laughs> Gerber. Um, and one of the examples that I have is, and I, I wrote a little bit of an essay about it is uh, telenovelas or just colorism in Mexican media mm-hmm. and how that can lead to like seeing that over and over again, seeing people who are white passing in, in these uh, novelas and, and just like in media, um, you know, novelas, the people who find love are the people who are light, lighter skinned. The people who live happy endings mm-hmm. are the people who are lighter skinned. Yeah. So that can create like feelings of like, well, I'm too dark to find love or like to be attractive or just like, uh, I think this goes hand in hand with like, just like um, the, uh, what's it called? Uh, beauty standards. Yeah. So yeah, you were nodding. What are you? <laughs> well, okay. well, I'm debating like if I should share the story because it's like not really my story. Um, mm. so I'm, I don't know, like I could just like leave it out names or I don't know. Use a different name. <laughs> <laughs> Let's call her. <laughs> okay. A story about a girl named Tiffany. <laughs> I guess I'll just say, uh, like I do remember somebody telling me a story where, um, their mom was trying to set them up with a man who was from Mexico mm-hmm. and like there was many reasons why 
this girl like didn't want to pursue this mm -hmm. man um but he was like a darker skinned mexican man and one of the reasons like the most prominent reason that he kept bringing up after being rejected was like oh es porque estoy prieto es porque estoy prieto or, like, porque, mm -hmm. or he used the word indio in, in the story yeah. like that that she was telling me um and she was just like she was like and then i felt so bad because i was just like no like that's not the reason but like like i could see that he truly believes it's like he thinks that because he's dark skin that he's not I gonna see. find love mm -hmm. so like that's why that's what that what you were saying what it reminded, what it reminded me of um I have an example of this, literally with novelas. Really? Yeah. So a lot of the people in novelas, and my mom was an avid novella watcher, watcher still is, mm. um, were, you know, they were white passing. Mm. And one of the like main guys, like one of the protagonists, one of the, you know, good looking guys mm -hmm. that wasn't white passing, his name was Fernando Colunga. Mm -hmm. um, he was in the novela El el amor es el que manda. Mm -hmm. If you guys remember that. <laughs> Porque el amor es el que manda. Um, and it, like in middle school, like he gave me hope for darker skinned people. And like, I'm not even that, like I'm not like super dark skinned, but mm -hmm. um, I remember, you know, as a kid, I think it was, I was a little bit darker just because I spent a lot of more time in the sun, like playing or whatever. And I remember like seeing my skin and being like kind of comparing it to his. I'm like, okay, at what point am I going to get a little bit darker? Mm -hmm. Like I, I can't afford to get that much darker because oh. I won't be as attractive. Mm -hmm. um, so like I would look to him and be like, okay, well, we're kind of around the same. Okay. I'm, like just try not to get like spend a little bit more time inside or like, yeah. I remember having those thoughts. Yeah. So when like, when I heard about the cultivation theory and kind of like, I wanted to connect it to novelas or colorism in Mexican media. I was like, fuck, like yeah. I, I literally experienced that. No, that like that part of like wanting to stay indoors because you don't want to <laughs> get dark. Like <laughs> I get very, very, I, I'm two completely different shades throughout the year. Like in the winter, I'm pale. And then mm -hmm. in the summer, I'm very, very dark. And especially younger, I grew up playing a lot of outdoor sports, yeah. soccer, swimming, yeah. softball. Um, and so like I would get very, very dark too. And like my sisters too, and my sisters were also lifeguards. And I just remember like it, when we would go to like a family event, like everybody would comment on how dark they were and be like, oh my God, you need to stay. Like, it was always like, you need to stay out of the sun. Mm -hmm. Um, and just like, and I remember one of my sisters being like, no, like I like my dark skin. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm going to like, mm -hmm. um, you know, I'm not going to stay out of the sun because, like, I love being in the sun. Like, I can bathe in the sun all day. Um, wear sunscreen, though. <laughs> Please. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, and then I just remember hearing all those comments that they would get and I'd be like, like, I can't be in the sun. I can't get darker. Like, because mm -hmm. they would always say, um, or one of the comments was always, you look dirty. Like, you look Ooh. you look dirty when you're darker. <laughs> And I was like, oh, or like, like they'll be like, oh, like, parece que tiene mugre. Yeah. Like, on your, and yeah. I was just like, oh, I don't have mugre, I swear. And it's just like, I know a lot of that stuff is also very cultural and kind of just like what people believe, but like, it doesn't help that the media also, yeah, you know, like I said, cultivation theory really says that like you learn a lot of this stuff through mm. media, mm -hmm. even if it's not like it's, it, it's intense, but it's still affects the way that you see and the way you think things should be. Yeah. Um, a lot of it, there's a lot of studies about this where it comes to like gender roles and just believing all this stuff. It's, it's fascinating. I, I love, I love cultivation theory. So if you guys have time, look into cultivation theory and, um, I don't remember if it is cultivation theory, but, um, I don't know. There's, there's a, there's a lot of good studies about it. Um, some of them I think with recent stuff, um, like parks and rec and how I met your mother and, Mm. stuff like that so very interesting <laughs> um this is used to explain the way that fictional narratives specifically allow for you to change your mind or the way that they can affect you and your outlook on certain things which are wh whether it be your political beliefs or just um topics like that mm. um which is like being transported into that fictional narrative yeah um so some something about the narrative pulls you into the story um when you are being entertained you don't have your guards up you know when you're watching something political or when you're watching your the news you kind of have preconceived notions and you're all like i am not gonna mm. 
Mm. Like, I'm going to proceed with caution. Everything that has been said to me. Like viewing nonfiction work versus fictitious work. Okay. But when you're viewing fictitious work, that isn't really what you're thinking. So you're just like at ease. And you know, there's certain storytelling devices that, Mm -hmm. that people use to put you in the shoes of these characters and pull you into these situations. And because you don't have these guards up, it's easier to change your mind about certain topics. Mm-hmm. Um, and that goes hand in hand with like parasocial relationships. Like our brain sometimes has a hard time understanding what is real and what's on the screen. Like as dumb yeah. as that sounds, like that's why we cry at movies or that's why we, because we have a parasocial, I know parasocial relationship now is like used a lot with internet people, but mm-hmm. like, it was even used before to describe relationships that you have with characters on TV mm-hmm. in a movie. Like it's still parasocial because you're watching it on the screen. It's just one way. Yeah. Um, and that explains like, you know, filmmakers have figured out how to do that. They've been doing it for years mm-hmm. on certain devices. Um, and one of the examples is one day at a time, which I think does that exceptionally well. I love one day at a time. I, uh, not not a spoiler warning, or maybe a spoiler warning. Definitely spoiler warning for one day at a time. If you haven't watched it, um, go watch it. It's great. Mm-hmm. I think it's on Netflix. Check yes. Um, and also a disclaimer that I haven't seen all of it. <laughs> I've only seen episodes, and me and Natalia have been watching Sick it. Fan. <laughs> Just kidding, <no>. But <laughs> that was enough to have me write a whole, mm-hmm. or not a, a whole essay. It was a short essay. It was like three pages. Mm-hmm. Um, but discussing this kind of fictional narratives and being transported into it. Mm-hmm. I remember we were watching it once and I said, this is adult Sesame Street. <laughs> I do remember. <laughs> I was just like, I was crying at whatever we were watching. He was like, this is adult Sesame Street. I was like, what? <laughs> what it's say? just like the way it's teaching lessons. Yeah. is like, and the stuff that they use is very, very, um, very good. Um, so this also has to do with LGBTQ plus rights along with um, Latina issues. Um, so if you guys don't know what one day at a time is, I guess, let me give a quick rundown. Yeah. It's a Netflix series chronicling, chronicling the journey of the Cuban American Alvarez family. The show tackles a variety of issues present in the Latinx community, but it consistently targets LGBTQ plus issues that are exasperated by historically homophobic Latina community. Mm. The show immerses you and transports you into the fictional narrative. It uses comedy and drama to lure us in and get our guards down. So, you know, for laughing, we think, okay, well, mm-hmm. we're not going to get hit out of left field with something really bad or just like the drama we're invested in it. So we're like, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're like being put into the character shoes. Yeah. Um, I think you'll be able to tell this, this storyline better. Elena's storyline? Yeah. I think, it, I think I was talking about like with her dad. Yeah. Um, so going off of Alan's point is that uh, one of the big themes that specifically season one tackles, but it does continue to tackle it throughout the rest of the seasons is um, the oldest, the oldest daughter. Her name is Elena. She is about to turn 15. And as many people know in the Latino community, when you turn 15, you have a quinceanera, which is tr- traditionally like a very like feminine thing and it's like supposed to symbolize you becoming a woman and there's a lot of like history behind it and being um, ready for a man yeah being ready for a man essentially yeah being paraded and and elena's character is very against those ideals um her character is kind of one that's very outspoken about um going against traditions and and um that's how we start off knowing her character um, as we progress through the episodes, we start to realize that she's actually questioning her sexuality and a lot of the reasons that she's behaving the way she is, why she's butting heads with both her mom and her grandma in regards to the quince is because she's struggling with her queer identity and like it, that gets a little, not threatened, but like it starts to come out more when what a quinceanera stands for starts to kind of like enter her life. Mm-hmm. Um, and so oh, this is like a major spoiler alert. So sorry, guys. <laughs> <laughs> but um, the the family um, is the, the parents are separated. Um, the dad isn't really pr- like physically present throughout the first part of the season. But then he comes back for Elena Skinse. And um, the dad 
his character tackles issues of PTSD, uh, alcoholism, like uh, mental health and, and stuff like that. And so he comes back into the kids' lives and um, you can tell already he doesn't have the best relationship with his daughter versus like his relationship with his son. Like he knows more how to like parent the son than to parent a daughter. Mm-hmm. Um but essentially the I'm like giving all the lore (laughs) 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 Um, throughout the season Elena comes to terms with her sexuality and you know throughout a few episodes she tells her mom or first she tells her brother and then she tells her mom and then she tells her grandma and like little by little um, the family starts to realize that okay that what do we have to do to support our daughter because we weren't ready for this because we don't talk about this Um, so the dad comes in and Elena tells him and he right away tries to shut it down, tries to invalidate her because she's so young. She's mm-hmm. 15, um, tries to tell her that she doesn't know what she's talking about. And like, it's a phase and like just really, really invalidating her. And uh, and then he fights with the mom of like, why are you letting her believe that she's this? And there's just like a lot of back and forth conversations. And I think that's that's the part of the season that you mostly saw. Yeah. Was, yeah. The, dad, <laughs> was the interactions with the dad. And um, like, should I just like go into like, what happens at the end like of the season i i think what i mainly want to talk about is the yeah like the dad not supporting her um in this point in her life mm-hmm. um and what what i really wanted to talk about was that speech that she gives i think where she's like what do you want to tell your dad like he wasn't there right like yeah he he did not end up showing up or he came to the quince, but he left before the father-daughter dance and yeah. kind of just humiliated her and left her alone out on the stage, like in front of everybody. And, and she gives this very beautiful monologue. Was that, I was after the quince, That right? was, I think that's how they started season two was, um, cause the dad basically ruined the relationship with the, with the daughter. Um, but the son still wanted to have a relationship mm-hmm. with, with him. So you know, they had to figure out that balance. So that's how they started season two was she confronts him about it. Yeah. Um, which I actually had to memorize that monologue for an acting class. Well, do you know it now? <laughs> no. But, <laughs> but that's a fun fact. She gives this monologue about how, how homophobia and like specifically in her family and just in the Latino community have affected her. Mm. Um, but the way that monologue is delivered, I think that's why I said it was like adult Sesame Street because she kind of looks directly at the camera mm. and like kind of like the lights go down and it's just like this moment's like for you, yeah. for the viewer. Yeah. So that's what I mean. It's like, it, I don't think she gives it to the dad, right? She does. She she knocks on the door and like basically, basically the speech is about like, it doesn't matter that you didn't show up because I have the most amazing support system already. And there are people that are putting in effort to learn about me. And like, are you talking about that monologue or does she give another monologue? I think she gives another monologue. Okay. I don't think so. Really? Mm -mm. Well, my point doesn't stand then. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Cause you were saying that. I was just like, I don't think it does. I don't think she looks at the camera. Well, okay. We, We never break fourth wall. We just came back. (laughs) <laughs> we did some more research and I, I saw the scene again and that like doesn't happen. But I think, I think the point still stands where my walls were not up mm-hmm. and that's what it felt like. Yeah. Like the story, the, the, the fictional narrative and like just all that filmmaking, that's what it felt like. It felt like she was talking directly at me at the viewers he felt it I, I think it was also the way that it was written mm-hmm. that it felt like it was for the people watching it like if you have kids yeah don't do these mistakes mm-hmm. this is what it's going to make your kid feel like and that's what i said that it was like adult sesame street yeah so that's what it felt like but i guess i, I just created a whole version in my head that wasn't <laughs> there no and it's just like that's why I'm so thankful for shows like this and like I know I know that we said that we were going to talk mostly about like how this affects like Latino people but I think naturally this episode kind of also (laughs) dabbled in LGBTQ (laughs) representation um and like I mean the lore (laughs) the lore behind why I started watching one day at a time it was actually recommended to me by a teacher in high school Mm -hmm. and it was when I was writing uh 
my essays to get in my PIQs. And like, as every gay person does, I wrote about the traumas of being a growing up gay and then like a Latino Catholic environment. And that's, uh, that was one of the teachers I trust. Yes, she was an English teacher. I know I fit the stereotype guys. (laughs) (laughs) The English teacher fits the the stereotype actually. (laughs) And the gay kid that just latches onto them. (laughs) But so, you know, she was one of the, the teachers that I trusted. So I asked her to read my essay and give me feedback and, um, and in that time of my life, I was so protective of this part of my identity because mm-hmm. I was like, nobody can know, nobody can know. Like I was so ashamed of it. And um, she like read it, and she like, we like never talked about it. Like it was like she was never like, mm, so you didn't tell me you were gay, <laughs> like nothing like that. Which obviously I appreciate because I wasn't ready to talk about it. Mm-hmm. But like she just told me, she like gave me back my paper, and then she was just like, have you heard of One Day at a Time? And I was just like. I've never heard of that. And she was just like, it's on Netflix and I think you should watch it. And I was just like, okay. And then I went home and watched it and I was like, (laughs) like, (laughs) my life was changed. I was just like, what? Like, it was just like such a, such an important character. Like Elena was such an important character for me growing up queer and, and like, especially her, her character was a lot younger than I was at the time. Her character is 15. I was like 18. Um, But it's just like, you don't see that type of representation and i mean like it's coming up now like i know our friend <laughs> and this is like this perfectly leads into the point that you have here yeah of just like, <laughs> quote studies show that people that identify more people identify more with and respond more favorably to films with the same race actors or like same sexuality actors but i think it's like that with elena hit like both of them it did and like it was a latino it, family yeah because i think there's like queerness is so beautiful and so big and there's it's just like um so many different ways to go about it and i think there's a very specific like being queer and being latino is a very specific perspective mm-hmm. and i think it's very unique and there's very little pieces of media out there that kind of get it like i won't say get it right because like everybody's experience is different but get it like hit the points that it needs to that like the oh queer goodness. Latino that like they're watching it. They're just like, I know exactly what that feels like. Like yeah. I know exactly what that is. And that goes back to cultivation theory and all that stuff, which is like, I mean, you were impacted by this show and this character. Mm. Like it was just like one show. Yeah. Like, can you imagine what that can do over the course of time? where you see different things. Mm-hmm. And I and I think that cultivation theory thing goes back to like, if Latinos always see themselves portrayed in a certain way, mm-hmm. that's all they're going to think. Yeah. Um, and like not saying that we shouldn't tell those stories because I think some of that stuff is important. I'm thinking about like people, Mexicans always being shown as the guys being gardeners, the women being maids. Mm-hmm. Although that is... Um, there are people who do that. Mm. Media has trained us to believe that that's kind of what we only do. And although I think it is important and I think it is an, they are honorable, honorable professions and they should also get their stories told. They should also tell other stories because if not, that's what we're going to believe. Yeah. In ourselves. Yeah. Just like, and I think just one day at a time was so groundbreaking too. Cause like even when it got canceled by Netflix, so many people were so upset that it got picked up by another network and it like continued on i think the network was pop tv Mm -hmm. and it continued for i think like two more seasons and it's just like because it was that groundbreaking because so many people like resonated with it and it just goes to show that like you know we always say it but representation does matter yeah and it's an incredible show all right and with that <laughs> we are reaching the end of the episode yeah yeah um yeah it's, it's raining a little bit long but that's okay if you guys want to hear us talk more about it because i like i said there's a lot that we can talk about yeah there is a lot that we can talk about and explore different things like we didn't even get to talk about like celebrities and, and or latino celebrities and mm. like their characters and their role in this as well yeah um and filmmakers and their role in this as well we kind of did but kind of like speaking more broadly um so there's still a lot more to talk about so if you guys found this conversation very interesting and would like more of it please let us know let us know because if why would we make another episode about this if you guys don't care? <laughs> so, like, you guys better tell please. us you care. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> guys, you can be honest. <laughs> but with that, uh, we go we, every time we end our episode, we end with what, Natalia? We end with a little Latino artist recommendation of the week because you should always support Latino artists. Yes. <laughs> My Latino artist of the week is a Chicano rap group called Chroma. This is where you edit the sound. <laughs> <laughs> they are <laughs> they are a group that kind of does a lot of house music, rap, uh, Latin indie, and all hip hop. Mm-hmm. So kind of like that whole genre of music. If you are into it, I think you should check them out. They are from based out of Dallas, Texas. So they have no representation as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they're really good. I think that a lot of there isn't a lot of Latino voices in this genre. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they're, they're trailblazing. They're, they're being themselves. Yeah. And yeah, I think you should check them out. They're really good. They come up on my For You page so often. Yeah. Every so often. <laughs> I saved it. <laughs> <laughs> I have all folders saved. Yeah. Um, but yeah, go ahead and check them out. And with that, we never did housekeeping either. Oopsie. If you are listening to this on a podcast platform, go ahead and give us a good rating and give us a good review. We would really appreciate it. If you are listening on YouTube or watching on YouTube, should I say, make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. We love hearing from you guys and leaving comments is a good way to do that. But again, if you're listening on a podcast app or if you just don't want to comment on YouTube, follow us on our social medias at Hand Me Down Pod on Instagram and on TikTok. We post our best clips on there. So if you miss an episode, you won't miss the best parts. Um, yeah, it's great conversations are being had over there on social media. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of it by the people that follow us and a lot of people who are just discovering us who have thoughts about what we're talking about. So go ahead and follow us on there to be a part of those conversations. And yeah, to get updates about the podcast and all that stuff. It's a, it's a good way. Instagram is a good way to keep track of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and with that, Thank you, everybody, for joining us for yet another episode. And we cannot wait to see you. We're posting an episode a week after this. Yes. Okay. We cannot wait to see you next week. Uh, Thank you for tuning in and have a good rest of your day, night, evening. Bye. Bye. The Hand Me Down podcast is produced and hosted by Natalia Delgado and Alan Gallardo. This episode was edited by Alan Gallardo and the social media clips are edited by Natalia Delgado. And I'm the associate producer, Milena Ortega. We'll see you next week. 